This is the Australian Hunting Podcast, hunting, shooting and fishing radio on the AHP Digital Radio Network. Visit us at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Here's the host of the show, Jason Selms. Welcome back to the Australian Hunting Podcast, Hunting, Shooting and Fishing Radio. Pleasure to have on today's show the Australian Liberty Alliance's Debbie Robinson. Just a bit of a heads up for the listeners, we talk a lot about the ALA ideology. Uh, just letting you know if you're a person that gets uh, offended easily by free speech, uh, things like Islamic immigration, government, uh, then I do urge you to uh, press that stop button now and go and check out one of our other podcasts in our extensive AHP library. And we also talk about the ALA Firearms Policy and how you can get in contact with ALA to help them strengthen their policy. Good show. Hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, Without further ado, let's get into my interview with today's guest, Australian Liberty Alliance's Debbie Robinson. This is Rod Drew, CEO of Field and Game Australia. This is Rob Fickling from Beyond the Divide and Maroka 30. Hi, this is Col Allison, hunter, journalist for 42 years and a shooter. Hi, this is Russell Mark, Olympic gold medalist. This is Charlie Jacoby from Field Sports Britain. Hey everybody, it's Tom Knapp and you're listening to the Australian Hunting Podcast. All right, Debbie Robinson, welcome to the Australian Hunting Podcast. Thanks for joining me today. I really appreciate it, Debbie. Thanks. Thank you so much for having me on your program, Jason. It's a pleasure to be here. No worries. I just I want to find out. We're good. So we had, I know we had some interesting conversations over the last couple of days. So I guess first off, uh, tell people about yourself for people who might not know who Debbie Robinson is. Okay. Well, my background, I, I'm a nurse by profession. I worked as a nurse for around about 30 years. I um, came to this country when I was a, a child and I absolutely loved it. So I'm also an an immigrant. I have raised a family in Western Australia and I love Australia. It's it's the most fantastic place on the earth and we should be proud of this country. Yeah. How did you end up coming to Australia? What was the reason? Any particular reason? And where did you come from? Um, I did hear a bit of an accent before when we spoke on the phone. Yep. My parents uh, chose to decided to come here when we were children. So I thank them for doing that because, as I said before, it is the best place on earth and it's the best thing they ever did coming to Australia. Yeah, yeah. Where from? And, oh, sorry, I'm from Scotland. I'm actually from Scotland. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it, I thought there was a bit of South African there. I wasn't 100%. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> Might be just a bit of a mixture. Um, yeah, good stuff. I mean, tell us about, I mean, how did you get involved, I guess, with the Australian Liberty Alliance? I mean, how did you want to get involved in politics? I mean, what have you, have you, have you ran in politics before? Is this the first time? Just give us, I guess, a bit of your background. Absolutely not, Jason. In fact, if you'd said to me five or six years ago, this is what I would be doing, I would have been horrified. <laughs> um, I've never been had anything to do with politics, nor did I ever want to, um, but it's just come about by accident. And I, um, I, can't, I before the party was formed, I was in, involved with an Islam critical group called Q Society, and that's been around since 2010. And um, the party came about as a as a result of um, working with Q Society. We our aim with Q was to educate the public and raise awareness about Islam. And we spent over five years um, 
organising public events, we lobbied politicians, we wrote submissions, but we came to realise that what we were doing was falling on deaf ears and that the only way to really effect change is to, in fact, do it ourselves. And, and that's why we decided to become political and we formed Australian Liberty Alliance. All right. So, yeah. So what are the, tell us about the, the core philosophies of Australian Liberty Alliance. I mean, how did it form? Who formed it? Who's involved, etc.? Okay, well, there's myself and four other directors, and uh, four of us were, so there's five of us in total, myself, my husband, and three other people. Four of us were involved with that Islam critical group. Uh, and But our, our core philosophies, we're, we're a, a common sense party. We stand basically for individual liberty, small government, Western values, social fairness, um, we want Australia to be to be self reliant and not have this massive debt that we're accumulating. All you know, we have for the past. It's getting worse and worse. Um, we stand for an integrated, multi ethnic society. I know that our party at times is portrayed as a one issue party. That is in fact not the case, and we support um, you know integration over segregation. And we are also secular. We we're not, uh, you know, we're we're not affiliated with any religious group. We're a secular party, and we welcome Australians from all walks of life, no matter what color, you know, what color, what creed. People from everywhere are welcome to join the party, and they have, in fact, we have members from all all walks of life. All right, Debbie. I mean, is that the reason uh, you, you formed the parties because the government, you know, wasn't listening to the people? Was that sort of part of the reason? Yes, that, that's a big part of the reason that that people ha, are not being listened to. People are concerned about the issues, a lot of issues in Australia, and they are not being heard, they're not being listened to. And I think our politicians at the moment are concerned more about their careers and appeasing minority groups than listening to what people on the ground have to say. And uh, over the last five, six years, I sometimes wish I could give my telephone to some of these politicians and say, hey, these people are have issues, they have problems, and you're doing nothing nothing to help or to address those issues. Yeah, absolutely. This is a big one. People talk often about liberty, freedom. We see many countries around the world pretty much losing freedom. They're losing freedom to socialistic values, etc. So what, what, what is liberty in the eyes of the Australian Liberty Alliance? Okay, well, we, we see liberty as absence of coercion. And uh, it's, liberty is civilised freedom. And, and democratically established laws can limit freedom, but liberty is civilised freedom. So that's our... I suppose definition for want of a yeah there. yeah no that's yeah. all right so you said there's four people involved what um seats yeah there's five five oh, five five sorry yeah. my apologies what um seats will you sort of be contesting at the election is this the first time uh, contesting any state or federal election yes this is our first we launched the party in October of 2015 and we're, our aim for this federal election was to run candidates for the Senate. However, we have a few lower house candidates in certain states. So we're aiming for two Senate candidates in each state. Um, we do have two in New South Wales. We have Kiralee Smith and Angry Anderson. 
Um, in Queensland, we have Bernie Gaynor and um, Shelley Dobson and Alan Biggs. And in Western Australia, there's myself and Dr. Marion Hercock. And in South Australia, we have uh, um, just announced a candidate in SA that's not officially out there yet, but that will be out in the next few days. So, um, but but we have lower house candidates, but not in every state, not in every seat, because we're a, a fledgling party. Um, we have to take our time and choose the right people, and and not get uh, you know we want yeah. quality over quantity. Interesting. I know there was um, a lot of my listeners not really fans of the Greens and even the, really the two major parties, actually. Uh, would you form any alliance with any other parties? As in, if you, know, if you were... Because this is a very interesting one. I asked Senator Lionhelm uh, for uh, New South Wales uh, uh, some time ago. Now, let's say, you know, we had... You know, you could get some form of ALA legislation through the government if you had uh, uh, officials elected. You know, would you do deals with people like the Greens to get, you know, ALA legislation? Um up if that's what if that's what was needed to get it up i would have to probably say no to that <laughs> yeah but if i mean uh, look i think you have to assess things as as you come you know as as, as things happen uh and look I, I find it difficult to imagine having an alliance with the greens uh, i mean we're a conservative common sense party um and you know i, I couldn't see that happening G'day, Turbo here from the Noob Spiro podcast where we talk all things spearfishing. So if you love your hunting and you love your fishing, you're going to love spearfishing as well. So check us out at the Noob Spiro podcast or visit us online at noobspiro.com. Awesome experiences that you can have when you are in the water and that's why I started spearfishing. Don't overcomplicate your gear. Don't go dotting dressed up like a Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole new world and it's mysterious, it's magical. Beats the shit out of knitting anyway. Oh yeah. Drop everything. The SSAA Shot Expo is coming, showcasing the shooting industry's commitment to ethical hunting and conservation. With safety seminars, workshops and gun dog demonstrations, an indoor shooting range, activities for children, prizes for the whole family, the SSAA Shot Expo just keeps getting bigger. Rose Hill Racecourse, Sydney, June 25th and 26th. Supported by Swarovski, Winchester and ATN Night Vision. Book online or pay on the day. Visit shotexpo.com.au. I've got an example here. Let's say you were to get um, some, some federal senators up into, into parliament at this uh, July 2016 election. What would say would be your or whoever's elected, I guess the party uh, direction, what are the top two or three things ALA would push for in parliament given they got some senators elected into the, let's say at least senators into the, you know, as senators or even lower house, whatever it may be. What are the two top two or three things you'd well, push I for? Think- Primarily, we would be focusing on Islam and Islam, Islamization, and we would, I mean, we we would try to stop. We propose to stop the Islamization of Australia. So one of the first things that we would do from that point of view is to implement a ten-year moratorium on um, uh, resident visas from OIC member countries. So we we would, you know, cut down on immigration from OIC countries. Yep. Anything else? Are there anything more than that? Top two or three? Anything else oh, that would for, be at the top oh, of your list? Uh, well, for, well, the Islamisation issue. We, we stand for smaller, smarter government. You know, c- 
cut. There's a lot of nuisance taxes that are completely ridiculous in, in this country. We, we would broaden the tax base. And I think the other thing that needs to be done is to listen to people from industry, um, our aviation industries. There are a lot of industries out there who are hampered by bureaucrat bureaucratic rubbish and they're going broke. They're having to close down because the people that understand their industry are not being listened to. Now, what we would want to do is talk with people in those industries and formulate policies that will will promote them, allow them to, to, to not have to close down and do what's right for Australia and for Australians. I mean, that that's that's primarily what we need to support our, our you know, support Australia, support small business and not have our farmers, our land sold off to overseas, uh, you know, interests. Unless, unless we can purchase land in, in a country overseas, they should not be allowed to buy up our land. We need to come back to basics and look after Australia and Australians. Yeah, I had, had this conversation. It's a very interesting. I know you talk about that. Let's talk about our farmers as well. And I think it was the Kidman property. I know one of my listeners is going to be listening to this. He knows who he is when I mention this. Now, I often hear that people say, you know, we've got to keep land in Australia, and I do. I do agree with that. But let's say, especially the Kidman property. Now, I'm not. I'm pretty sure there was uh, quite a large offer from an overseas company that wanted to buy that property. Now, as far as I'm aware, no, no Australian company ha- has matched. Uh, that sale price. So where do we draw the line of not allowing uh, other countries to invest in our property, but also the fact that that person owns a asset which then can be on-sold to somebody else? I mean, if we don't have an Australian uh, purchaser of the Kidman property that wants to purchase it at the given price that the overseas purchaser wants to purchase it for, I mean, it'd be like me coming... I know this is obviously on a larger scale, but like, Debbie, you own a house, let's say, in Western Australia, and I say, well, you, sorry, Debbie, you know, you want to sell for $600,000. No, you can't sell to them. You've got to sell to the person offering you $400,000. I mean, it's where do we sort of draw the line on keeping property in? Yeah, as I mentioned before, we draw the line. If if we're allowed to purchase land in in a in a recipro- in a country overseas as a reciprocal purchase of land for example if i want to buy 10 million acres in china and i'm allowed to then fine but if we're not allowed to do that then that should not be allowed to happen in this country it, so it's about what that's where you draw the line. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's a, bit, it's a very, I mean, I'm not happy about the situation either, but I always think, you know, do people have a right to sell, you know what I mean? And how do we how do we facilitate that whilst keeping the land in Australia? I mean, we can't expect, and I'm probably, as a conservative party, I mean, we, we wouldn't expect the government to bail out and buy the property or cut the shortfall mm. from what the Australian buyer would want to purchase the, I mean, obviously the Kidman property. I mean, it's what, $340 million. I mean, not everyone's got that sort of money to be able to purchase that and to force a non sale you know i'd like to see an australian buy but we, we, we're just not seeing those buyers at that at that price i don't think from what i've been reading i could be wrong but i'm pretty sure anyway moving on good stuff i mean i want to talk about um yeah the uh, firearms obviously which is the main point of this show yeah. so it's good to have a chat with you now now and i wanted to pre-qualify for the the listeners listening to the show i did have a, de- a chat with debbie over the last couple of days and we we sort of this uh, did put a firearms policy or not a policy but a uh, 
a write-up on Facebook, which a few people seem to be unhappy with. That's why I've got Debbie on to have a chat with you. So let's have a chat about firearms in general. What do you think about firearms ownership amongst Australians and their, you know, uh, basically right to own firearms for either, you know, self-defence or hunting or shooting or whatever that might be? Yeah, look, I, you know, I think Australians have a right to own a firearm. That's a, a right to have firearms. But I, I think it should be subject just to reasonable licensing terms. And it shouldn't be made any more difficult for people to, to have firearms. So you so say say ALA for example wouldn't you know which is obviously which is what I've said to, uh, to people before you'd be happy with a license and obviously a safety course that you think that'd be appropriate. I think that would be appropriate, just as we have to have a license to drive a car. Um, so, to we should you know that that's that and that is part of our our policy. Also talking about, I think. This gets discussed on my show a fair bit. I mean, self-defence. I mean, I know the, the ALA did put the, a write-up up there saying non-lethal forms of self-defence, so I presume like pepper spray, uh, yeah. those types of things. I mean, would that, would that extend to uh, uh, firearms or, or in general? What, what, what's the general thoughts there at ALA? Well, basically, what's outlined in that policy, Jason, that we, we say that, you know, hold the right to self defense is it's a natural right of every lawful citizen um and we have to be able to protect ourselves against um violence and and criminal behavior especially when state authorities aren't able to protect us um I mean, we but, have yeah. So going, we have people. I mean, and I'm going to be probably dropping one here on, on, on air for the for the listeners. But um, you know, I'm actually going to be and people. I hear this a lot, Debbie. Too people say, well, and it even happens on my page. People say, well, you know, you know, when is it happening to you? When somebody broken into your house? I mean, I'm going to be interviewing a fellow uh, Debbie in probably the next couple of weeks, and this was a very very high profile case, and I won't say too much because I don't want to give it away. Um, subsequently, I'm going to have a really a sit down discussion with it with a fellow, very nice fellow. I had a chat to actually yesterday and um, I mean he had to in his own home he had to kill a man and I mean that's a, that's a very very difficult situation to deal with um, and uh, you know, he had to wait several years before he found out I mean no doubt would have lost a fair bit of money uh, he, he's lost many many years of his life waiting to see if he was going to be charged with murder uh, yeah, whatever it may be. I mean, the police on many occasions said to him, you know, we're recommending no charges to be laid, but the you know, public prosecution still wanted to charge him and basically put him in prison for defending himself against a career criminal uh, that got into his home and uh, had, to, had, had to defend himself and unfortunately had to do something very bad uh, to save himself, no doubt, and his family as well. So, I mean, where do we draw the rights? I mean, if someone comes into my property with you know, a firearm or a knife or, you know, sh- shouldn't I be able to defend myself with a firearm? I mean, is, isn't that the, the idea of, you know, a, a fundamental liberty of mine to, to defend myself and defend my family if I need to? I would say that it is, and I think that one of the things that would have to be looked at is our our laws and our our legislation on on this. And and we don't have, in this country, we don't have, like they have in America, the right to bear arms, which, so that makes it difficult. So perhaps we need to look and and look at the legislation and, and, and the laws in that we should be able to defend our life and limb and property. Uh, in Parliament, so if, if somebody, uh, one of the ALA representatives, got into a Senate seat or lower house seat, would would they advocate for firearms owners if if they were elected? We would advocate for a definite crackdown on illegal ownership and the use of unregistered um, 
firearms and other. What we would encourage uh, prosecutors and courts to apply um, the full extent of the law against perhaps unlicensed gun owners and the illegal use of firearms. I think we need to be more stringent with um, illegal, you know, people getting guns that shouldn't have guns. Yeah. Uh, and 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 if you've got good licensing, then you know who, as we talked about before, having yeah. having the licensing and and you know who who can who's allowed to hold a gun, and if you're not, then you should be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. It's that time of year again, and Huntfest is just around the corner. Huntfest is Naruma's premier hunting exhibition on the New South Wales South Coast. Huntfest is on this June long weekend, so don't miss out by getting your tickets early. If you want to be an exhibitor at Huntfest, then call Danfield on 02 4473 7035. Visit huntfest.com.au for more information. Huntfest, the place to be in 2016. Are you looking to buy a new or used firearm? Do you want to sell that safe queen to fund your next purchase? Then go to OzGunSales.com. We have over 200 registered firearms dealers, Australia-wide, and thousands of shooters using the site daily. There are over 2,500 firearms listed, so you're certain to find exactly what you're looking for. We have over 50 years of firearms industry experience, including 8 years online. So why wouldn't you advertise with us? The one and only genuine original Ozguns. Do you hunt deer and want to learn the correct techniques for a quality wall mount and premium eating venison? SSAA Sydney Branch provides hunter education courses to help you become a better hunter and to utilise harvested game in the most effective way possible. Course content includes gunning, butchering and caping from experienced hands-on instructors using locally harvested deer. There is no gear required and also includes a barbecue lunch. Courses are held every first Sunday of each month with an 8am sign-in for a 9am start. Course running time is approximately 6 hours and the venue is Silverdale Rifle Range. Cost is $50 per person, so call Andy Mallon at Silverdale Rifle Range on 02-4653-1440 or visit www.sydney.net. Yeah, as we were chatting about the other day, which I'm pretty sure you remember as well, we had a chat about you know 1996. You know the the obviously Port Arthur massacre. You know John Howard clamped down uh, on certain types of firearms, forced some fairly draconian gun laws uh, onto Australian law-abiding firearms owners, which. You know, pretty much hasn't some of the stuff hasn't done, or most stuff actually hasn't done anything to make Australia any safer. I mean, you know, example being we had a chat about this yesterday too about registration, about a registration system. You know, criminals don't register firearms. I mean, does mm, ALA have yeah. a position uh, on firearms registration? I mean, we see New Zealand abolished it um, in the mid nineteen eighties. They said it was a complete waste of money. Uh, former. Prime Minister Stephen Harper out of Canada, who just lost to yeah. Justin Trudeau last year, um, he he made it an election promise to make sure he banned a long, or sorry, abolished sorry long arms registration. Uh, he did that in 2014 because he quote said this registry has not saved one single Canadian life. We will abolish it, and that's exactly what he did. So does ALA have a position on firearms we, registration? 
We don't have a formal position. I think one of the things that we need to do, and this is what I pointed out before, with any industry, and and like yourself, I've I've learned a fair bit about the intricacies of what's happening in in your, uh, I don't want to call it an industry, I don't know what you would... Um, oh, it's an industry, you know. yeah. It's an industry well, an of industry. exciting people. Um, I, think, I think what ALA really wants to do, and that is engage with people who understand their business, their industry, and find out the intricacies and what common sense things need to be done. Um, and that goes across the board, not just with firearms. There's a lot of hysteria about firearms. There's hysteria about all sorts of things. And we need to sit down with people who understand the problems and discuss it and work it out instead of having bureaucratic guys who know absolutely nothing making a mess and making things more difficult. Uh, you know, it, it goes, just goes back to this common sense um, discussion and engaging with people who understand what's happening on the ground. And that's not happening at the moment in Australia. No, you're with right. So 100%. many things, with so many things. Yeah. If we, uh, what about, again, same thing, not really, I know we were talking yesterday about um, not really being uh, certain types of firearms, so, you know, pump action shotguns, semi auto loading shotguns, rifles, etc. Is that the same thing again? You would like to, to sit down with someone from the industry well, or? I, I, again, I think there needs to be discussion. There's, you know, we don't. As I said, we, you, you've seen our policy, and I know a lot of people think it's, it's this or it's that or it doesn't suit. But I, you have to begin somewhere, and uh, we are a fledgling party. Um, we pro- we we propose to engage with people and develop policies as we get bigger and get, you know, go further down the track. So we're those things will be addressed, but it can't happen overnight. You, you have, it takes time to formulate good policy. And I, I don't see that, um, that that's something that can happen yeah, with what two a- minutes. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I get what you mean. Uh, with uh, what about things like I mean, obviously, yeah, gun ownership. We talk about hunting as well. I mean, I'm a hunter myself. A lot of my friends are. Or a lot of people enjoy their firearms just to go hunting. Some enjoy target shooting. Uh, many, many different reasons. I mean, is ALA uh, oppose hunting? Are they are they pro hunting? Are they doesn't not really have an interest of theirs, as in to push anything like that, or they wouldn't oppose uh, people that go enjoying their hunting activities. I, I, you know, if you're, I don't see any, a problem with that. I, I mean, we're not opposing that at all. All right, Debbie. I know um, we also um, uh, people on my show. Uh, they support, you know, fishing. I mean, does ALA support, you know, free access to our coastline for recreational fishing in New South Wales? Uh, we do have a fishing license. I mean, you know, uh, many a few years ago, the the uh, Labor government here in New South Wales in opposition, John Robertson, you know, I mean, wanted to lock down, you know, a, a fair bit of of Sydney in regards to fishing. I mean, you know, we're we're paying a license fees, we're paying the government, mm-hmm. and they're trying to cut us out uh, of you know recreational fishing. You know, mums and dads taking their kids down for a fish. I mean, what what is there a, a, a policy line for ALA in regards to fishing or you know, full support of fishing activities? Yeah, look, uh, we believe that Australia must have access to, to healthy and affordable local seafood and fishing. And we're committed to um, a sensible reopening of our fishery grounds and, and effective protection from illegal foreign fishing. So that's our policy on, on that. And again, it's it's a common sense um, 
policy and you know if people want to go and fish with their kids yay good good go and fish with them I also want to talk about things like uh, in regards to, to firearms as well. I mean, in regards to the policy, are you, is the ALA open to, you know, I mean, you said chatting with people from industry, finding out more about uh, uh, firearms so they can draft a, a really, really solid policy. I mean, can people get involved like either like myself or listeners to my show that might want to get involved and give some valuable uh, input into the ALA, you know, firearms policy moving forward? Was that something you guys would be open to? Moving forward, we would be interested to talk to all sorts of people about all the issues in our, in our, you know, in our policy uh, document. And but first and foremost, we have to have a voice in Parliament before we can do any of that. Uh, and as I said before, it's common sense. Most of the things that we propose in our in our manifesto are, are common sense things, and you can only expand on that by talking to people who understand their industries and 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 help us to formulate policies yeah. that will be good for all Australians and and for Australia yeah, because I know, as I said, we talk about you know the, the the Howard gun reforms. People that listen to this show, Debbie, I mean, they're not happy with the current situation. Uh, they're not happy with having their rights and uh, liberties taken away from them in regards to their, you know, especially regarding self defence, as we spoke about before. Uh, you know, they're just not happy with this situation. It was a knee jerk reaction from John Howard. You know, no real reason, as we I've said to you previously. There's many many countries around the world that have these firearms that John Howard banned. You know, New Zealand, Canada. Sweden, Switzerland, Germany, just to name a few. I mean, they're not uh, they're not a problem whatsoever. I mean, it seems to be there's a worldwide thing going on around, especially in regards to the way you know anti gunners target the United States. I mean, the United States is not even in the top 100 for gun crime across the world yet. It seems Australians are, especially the Australian anti gun media, are infatuated with the United States. Um, I think it's a bit of a freedom thing. One of the sort of last many few countries on earth where you actually have you know freedom. You know, a Bill of Rights. I mean, uh, is ALA uh, uh, looking at a Bill of Rights? Are they looking at uh, uh, just a core fundamental liberties when they actually look at you know, how they're going to position themselves in government? Well, we're not looking at changing the Constitution or doing anything dramatic in yeah. that way, but we are, we, as I said before, coming back to this basic common sense, um, moving, uh, looking at our, our 20 core policies and expanding on those and doing what's right for Australia and for Australians. And going back to the whole um, issue with um, what, what John Howard did, I mm. mean, we, we don't actually have a formal position on that. And, and it was 20 years ago. And I think we need to deal with the realities as, as, they, as we find them today. We have to look at what's happening now in our country. And as you say, maybe look at what happens overseas and, and like you there's a there's a lot of hysteria around guns it's people are frightened um and we need to to work through that and as i said before do what's best for the country. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to get into sort of a yeah, terrorist debate. This is a gun show that's completely separate to what I do. But I mean, I find it interesting that, um, you know, obviously you wear France just, you know, some, what, five, six months ago, that 140 people killed. I mean, France has quite a, quite a, uh, uh, 
very, very similar gun control here uh, as they do is here in Australia, yet we've still seen 140 people die from firearms. So, I mean, you know, again, when we talk about firearms, we talk about countries that have extreme, fairly extreme gun control uh, or have you know, laws similar to Australia. I mean, we're still seeing, Debbie... We're still seeing basically people, you know, uh, uh, still killing people with firearms. I mean, like in France, they had fully automatic weapons, not semi-automatic, fully automatic weapons. They were blowing people up. I mean, you know, and this is why people at the moment are also getting, getting, they've had enough in regards to they want to be able to defend themselves. They want to at least give themselves a chance if, you know, something like this was ever to occur. You know, chances are hopefully in Australia, touch wood, it doesn't happen, but we are seeing it now. We saw it with Man Monis at the Lint Cafe yeah. Siege. Um, you're probably aware just what, you know, eight, 12 months ago, the, the you know Curtis Chang was it Curtis Chang who died in um, Parramatta because he was yeah. shot the you know, young fifteen year old you know terrorist waving a gun I mean you know again and all they want to do Debbie is crack down on people like me my friends that want to go hunting shooting and fishing and just be left alone and that's why we also need to look at some practical solutions as I said before like slowing down immigration from Islamic countries and sorting out the problems that we have here because that will that will help what is happening um so that that is something we're very concerned about and we need to call a spade a spade and see that that these terrorists um there's a common denominator there. It's not just about guns. They use airplanes. They use all sorts of things. The common denominator is uh, the Islamic doctrine, and we need to be concerned about that and stop importing uh, people into this country that do not support our our way of life and seek to do us harm, as they did in Brussels and France. Debbie, just an off-topic question. Um, we saw the, uh, free speech. Is ALA a supporter of free speech? We saw the, the Abbott government abandon the uh, repeal of Section 18C. So what's sort yeah. of you know, ALA's position? Do they have a, you know, they're strongly for free speech, etc.? Yes, we would absolutely be for free speech and, and get rid of 18C. It, 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 that, and the Liberals should have done that when they said they would, and a lot of people are very upset that they didn't. Um, but but it's, it's just an attempt to, to silence the truth, and there's a, a really disturbing aspect to what restricts free speech in Australia, and, and that is um, the propensity of others to act as censors. And I, that became very clear um, to me and to, to the other people involved with uh, when we were with Q Society, we organized a tour for the Dutch politician Get Wielders. In, and um, as I said before, it became quite obvious that Australia is very far down the path of um, appeasement and political correctness. And I think a lot of people might not realize how far down that path we are. Um, and one of the reasons is people are terrified to discuss uh, Islam uh, and in the lead up to the tour there was a huge amount of opposition uh, to what we were doing bringing this person to Australia uh, from the government of the day from venue owners uh, from universities from radio stations there were so many things that went on behind the scenes uh, to try and shut down the message that we were trying to bring to Australians um, even at the moment, uh, we have problems with advertising to promote to promote our party and our national tour. I've had 
uh, online advertisements rejected by major news groups because we use the word Islam or Islamization. Now, that to me signals that we really do have a problem because people are curtailing our right to to free speech. And that's one of the reasons this party was formed. Fantastic. Well, to finish off, I guess, I mean, there's probably people that listen to this show that aren't hunters or shooters, um, but there are obviously a lot of them that are hunters and shooters. So, I mean, what, why should you know people that may have voted for major parties, maybe have voted for a pro-gun party in the past, maybe they're looking for an alternative. Why should they vote for ALA at this up-and-coming July 2016 election? Okay, well, if you look at any other country in the world where voters allow career politicians to, to dictate what happens, um, big government allowing mass immigration, Islamization, uh, you end up with this divided, segregated societies. If you're concerned about that and you don't want that for, for, for Australia, then there's there's only one reasonable choice, and that is to vote for Australian Liberty Alliance. We are not career politicians. We genuinely care about what's going on in this country, and all of the people within the party are so passionate about about preserving, um, you know, our culture, our values, our freedom of speech. Because once you lose that freedom of speech, you've actually lost everything. Mm. That is the most important. It's at the core of democracy, and I. I cannot emphasize enough how we have to hang on to that and yep. australian liberty alliance we're not afraid to speak out we're not afraid to call a spade a spade discuss the hard issues um and we will do that we will be a voice for australians because there's so many aussies out there who do not have a voice they're afraid to speak up they are they're ridiculed they're called racists they're called bigots they don't have a voice but guess what? They're not afraid to vote, and they can vote for Australian Liberty Alliance because we will be their voice. Sure. And if people want to get involved in, say, uh, you know, helping you draft up a stronger firearms policy or industry getting involved in, in working with you, I mean, how would, how would they go about it? They get in, is there a website they can go to, a phone number they can call? Um, how do they, they get in contact? Email, go to the website, send an email. Yep. I mean, we'll be developing, we'll be, we'll be forming policy uh, development committees further down the track i mean we're, we're in campaign mode at the moment but um you know there are people coming forward from all sorts of industries concerned about what's happening and and you know we'll, we'll, we'll we want to listen to people that's that's why we started this party because we, we no one was listening to us so we stepped out of our comfort zones as you know ordinary citizens and we've formed a party we've done it ourselves and we we want to listen to others who have you know who, who feel strongly and passionately about this country yep and where's the website people want to get in contact with you um, how do they get in contact with you go to www.vote1ala.org uh, that will bring up the website okay perfect all right debbie robinson is talking with me jason here on the australian hunting podcast and represents the australian liberty alliance debbie i really appreciate your time having a chat with me tonight thank you appreciate it jason thank you so much for having me on your program you've just been educated and this is the australian hunting podcast thanks for listening see you next time